I am speaking to you at a moment of grave crisis. I'm Jeff Turner, and this is Recall. It's a series about history. Not the ancient past, but history that's still hot to the touch. In this first season, I explore a revolutionary political movement that brought a modern democracy to the brink. You can find Recall, How to Start a Revolution, on the CBC Listen app or wherever you get your podcasts. This is a CBC Podcast. Hi, I'm Dr. Brian Goldman. Welcome to The Dose. The COP26 Climate Change Conference is on right now in Glasgow, Scotland. Canada has had extreme weather events from floods to wildfire to heat domes. These are huge and maybe insurmountable problems to the individual that are making some people nervous enough to want to see a doctor. So today we're asking, what's the best way to deal with eco-anxiety? Hi, Nancy. Welcome to The Dose. Thank you. I'm just delighted to be here. By the way, is it eco-anxiety or echo-anxiety? I say eco, but I'm not sure it really matters. Especially if you're anxious about it. But I imagine that there's some yes, people who are exactly. anxious about how to pronounce it correctly. Uh, and, and by the way, I hear you have a dog. Yes, I have a dog. <laughs> I do animal-assisted therapy as well as being a counselor for anxiety and um, what we call climate counseling now. So I've worked with two greyhounds. They're retired racers and um, co-workers. Working with an animal and living with an animal is a great way to treat anxiety these days. And we're going to get into that. And uh, and uh, I'll just let you know that my daughter adopted a mixed shepherd rescue dog over the summer. Oh, nice. Um, and, uh, her name is Cleo. She's beautiful. So, Nancy, why don't you give us a hi, my name is, and tell us what you do. Hi, my name is Nancy Blair. I'm a registered counseling therapist in Nova Scotia. And um, I'm working more and more on what we call climate counseling. And a lot of that has to do with ecological anxiety. I also do animal assisted therapy with my dog, Taurus. Well, I think we're going to hear about both. So here we go. Um, I know what anxiety is because I treat it. What is eco or climate anxiety? Well, anxiety is, is very broad, as we know. Anxiety, what we call the regular anxiety, tend to be focused on ourselves. Could be work, job, relationships. And that hasn't gone away in these times. Don't think that. But ecological anxiety is more directed on what's happening to the world. It could be what's happening to the world in general. It could be about how that's affecting us personally. So it takes on a different element. I'm sure we'll get into it. Some of the techniques are the same, but there's an extra dimension that we need to think about. Can you say more about, about what you mean by that extra dimension? Really to understand what it is, ecological anxiety can be an incredible amount of fear, um, anxiety, terror uh, about what is happening in the world. We're getting bombarded by this all the time. But you watch, uh, and again, how much do you need to watch? What do you need to watch? What sources are you watching? And don't let's forget, we're still in COVID and we're dealing with COVID anxiety too. There was a study coming out of Britain Actually, it's about six weeks ago. It was Carol and Hickman University of Bath. Five universities were involved with this. They did a survey of youth, 16 to 25, 10,000 around the world. And let me give you some of the stats. You'll get some of the feelings. 75% said they were afraid of what was happening. 56%, and this always shocks me, said they thought humanity was doomed. 
60%, I know, worried or anxious. 45% said climate affected their daily life. Now, the other really important about that, having said all these statistics, and we're all thinking, oh, dear, is that ecological anxiety is a rational response to what is happening in the world. In a sense, it's a sign that you're healthy. And again, it's coming more and more mainstream about how serious it is, because we have research now to say, oh, my, a lot of people are suffering. One thing we have to be really aware of is people are suffering alone often because they think there's something wrong with them or they don't know other people are feeling this way. Watching a documentary about uh, the climate crisis is disturbing in the moment, but fades away. So what you're talking about here, though, is something more pervasive, aren't you? Once you become aware of the immensity of this, then you, you really, I find people have to deal with it. Are there degrees of eco-anxiety? Yes. What we are saying is anxiety is one word, but we're also saying this is turning more into trauma and distress. Are they so scared that they can't do anything else, that this is all they can think about? Yes, some people. And that's a real, that's a shame. One of the aspects, of course, of ecological action, of ecological um, anxiety, is that people can withdraw. People can say, well, why would I do anything? Nothing I do is going to matter. We have to work on fighting this despair. I think it's one thing that people often say again is say, why would I do anything? I can't do anything. Well, I'm a counselor and a therapist. I've also been an environmental activist for a long, long time. And there is always something you can do. And that's really important that people understand that they do have some power here. What is it about nature that helps so much? Oh, we're outside. We're thinking. Um, we're breathing. When you look at nature, you see the birds. You see animals. You may see insects. Even if you're not aware of it, you're watching things growing. You're watching how birds fly. You're watching the weather. It brings a lot of memories back from our earliest childhood. I've been thinking about this over my life. Most of my wonderful memories have people and nature in it. What about the greenery? Think of spring without greenery. It's absolutely impossible. It's also you get your hands in the dirt. You get your feet in the water. You laugh. You have fun. It sounds like you're hitting, you're hitting your, all of your senses. You're feeling your hands in the dirt. You're seeing the greenery. You're hearing the birds. That's a good thing to say because <laughs> one of the best therapy techniques that I've, I really like this when a lot of clients do this is the five senses. What you see, what you hear, what you smell, what you taste. Ah, oh, I missed one. Feel. Okay. You go outside of nature and you do that. The brain likes different. The brain likes to be creative. It gets you to focus on this, clears your mind, gives you energy, and helps you to deal with what's going on in the world. It's also, uh, it sounds like, to me, like it's an exercise in mindfulness. Mindfulness is good. Mindfulness, any type of meditation, being in the moment. With anxiety, you're often fearful for the future or you're fearful of what happened. So keeping in the moment keeps us from being afraid of what's going to happen in the future. It's very nourishing. So we've talked about nature. We've already mentioned you have a dog and you use dogs in therapy. So what about pets? Pets, I mean, how many people bought or got dogs or cats during COVID? They're relaxing. 
Now, when you go dog walking, and it sounds like you know this, social life, exercise, fun. Dogs are not too keen on listening to you talk about the climate crisis throughout the whole walk. Believe me, I know that. Uh, they're more interested in who has a treat, which neighbors are they going to see, exercise, fun, and we need this. Now, we talked about the value of nature. Can a nature walk ever be counterproductive, for instance, if we see uh, trees being cut down or animals losing their habitat? It can be, and I think that's very common these days. Again, it depends what you do with it. Some people might go home and say, I'm not going to walk there ever again. I don't want to see that. Don't want to have anything to do with it. That's a choice. Other people might go home and say, oh, I can't, I can't support this. I have to do something about it. Maybe call their... Um, their MP, maybe see what they can do in the neighborhood. It's not really empowering to go home and pretend it didn't happen. It is empowering to say, okay, I need this walk. I need this piece of land. How am I going to take care of it? Sick Boy Podcast is a health and comedy show about what it's like to be sick. Wait, is that right? How can illness be funny? You'd be surprised. Okay. Sick Boy is hosted by me, Brian Stever. And me, Taylor McGilvery. And myself, Jeremy Saunders. Come on in and join us to melt your heart, learn something fascinating, and bust a belly laugh. Trust us, you'll be glad you did. You can find Sick Boy on the CBC Listen app or wherever you get your pods. So that's interesting. So, so taking action on climate change or doing a small thing um, can, can help counter anxiety? Yes. So, of course, in any type of action, you become empowered. That doesn't mean every action is going to work. What it means is that you made the choice to do something. And it may work out really well. But it's empowering for you personally. It brings your anxiety down because it takes away some of the, the feelings of hopelessness and despair because you're actually doing something. We've talked about taking action on your own. How can being part of a group quell eco-anxiety even more? Because this is something that people are feeling together. First of all, it takes away the isolation. Secondly, makes you realize, oh, I'm not the only one. Sometimes when people have anxiety or something that they, or an issue like this, they think, is something wrong with me? Well, it's a hard, hard, hard feeling to feel. It's good to find a few people that actually agree with you and understand it and can maybe look at options or see what's happening. There's a lot of what we call climate cafes, support groups, and there'll be more and more in the next year. Does the kind of concrete action matter? My immediate response is no. You pick what you want. And that depends on the personality. I've been thinking it was really nice if people did more chalk work on sidewalks. We did a lot during COVID that slowed down with messages. So you can reach out to groups. Look at the big environmental groups. See what they're doing. I have a passion for, well, bees and butterflies. So that means planting your garden over or encouraging plants. Some people have all the plants for uh, pollinators. I didn't. I thought I knew everything about gardening. Apparently, I don't. So I've done a lot of that. And that's helped me personally this year, because of course, I deal with all these feelings and deal with clients who have these feelings. Look around, see what makes sense for you and do something. What are some signs that you might actually need to see a health professional to deal with your eco-anxiety? If you just can't get a handle on it, if it's getting worse and worse, if you're finding I have friends that are interested, but I just don't want to talk to them. If you find, oh, you're losing weight, you're gaining weight. So we want to get it under control. And 
knowing that ecological anxiety exists and is being recognized helps a lot of people, but not everybody. So you're right. When it becomes like it's too much, then think about counseling. And don't forget, anxiety is sometimes treated with medication. That's a possibility as well. How prepared are mental health professionals these days to recognize and treat eco-anxiety? I'd say we are not in the middle stage yet, probably. I think we're getting to this. There's not a lot of counselors focusing on this yet, but I would think that we would be picking up on it very fast. How do you think the COP22 conference itself can help people experiencing eco-anxiety? It's a big conference. Now, you can never put all your confidence in a conference. They've been going on for two decades now. But we are calling this one COP26 as the COP conference really before things start to get very, very difficult. And the workshops will be interesting. On the website, you can go. They're all live and online. And there's some ones, youth, uh, women. um, There's different things there. I would suggest you watch for Canada. See what we're doing. Think if it's good enough for you or do you need to send a letter afterwards? So the fact that this is going on means that the world is paying attention to it. Now, Greta Thunberg in The Guardian this week said there's no, she's not seeing any real leaders yet. We'd like Canada to be a leader. So how do we personally address this? Afterwards, watch. Does everybody go home and nothing happens? Or are things going to happen? I think this time you'll find that things are going to happen and to watch for that. I would watch what the youth are doing, Extinction Rebellion. Um, The leaders are interesting, but see what's happening in Glasgow apart from the leaders. What gives you hope? I work at it. I'm serious. I work at it. I look for things every day. I find it hopeful that people are recognizing this. Uh, I think that gives us hope for the world that people are saying there's a problem. And that I realize that we need to, uh, that I need the rest of the world. Uh, as, you know, psychologically, if humans don't have birds and animals and water and air, I mean, are we human anymore? So I have a lot of hope. And I watched for this. When COVID started, I decided, because it was such a dreadful experience for everybody, that I would start looking on the internet for hopeful things. You see them every day about climate change. People are not picking up at them, I know, but I find them because I'm looking for them. For example, France, uh, by January 2022, is saying they're going to ban most plastic wrapping on most vegetables and fruit. Great. When's Canada going to do it? Can you give me an example, a concrete example of a youth conservation project that that you think could counter a lot of eco-anxiety if others were aware of it? There's a lot of youth projects that are coming to mind. One was one I really liked because of the butterflies. In Moncton, one of the schools there was planting a conservation area for butterflies. That was in the news. So watch for youth. I mean, the Butterfly Ranger program I'm involved with has a very high youth component. There's so much, all ages, but it is nice when youth take the lead in projects. And uh, there's a young woman in in Dartmouth, in Nova Scotia, who's done an incredible amount in terms of growing milkweed for uh, monarch butterflies and distributing them within the community. So again, all you got to do is look and it's there. Well, I'm sure that we'll all be looking for it. uh, And... uh... Nancy Blair, I want to thank you for speaking with us. Thank you very much. I really appreciate this opportunity. 
Nancy Blair is a registered counseling therapist in Dartmouth, Nova Scotia. Here's your dose of smart advice. Eco-anxiety or anticipatory fear about what's going to happen to the environment as a result of climate change is real. And it's on the rise, especially in young people. The symptoms include tense muscles, headaches, difficulty concentrating, and trouble sleeping. Some people may not realize that these symptoms could be due to eco-anxiety. At its worst, it can lead to feelings of hopelessness. There are lots of ways to cope with it. They include spending time in nature and interacting with pets. Taking some sort of action to address climate change also helps. Working with a group makes you feel less alone, which is especially helpful when family and friends don't share your concerns about the environment. Seek out medical attention if eco-anxiety disrupts your sleep, makes you depressed, causes extreme changes in weight, or affects your ability to function at work or at school. If you have topics you'd like to hear on the dose or questions answered, tweet me at NightShiftMD, at CBC White Coat, or at CBC Podcasts using the hashtag TheDoseCBC. Please rate us five stars so more people can find us. This edition of The Dose was produced by Amanda Zoffer. Technical operations were by Aronde Williams. Our senior producer is Colleen Ross. The Dose wants you to be better informed about your health. But if you're looking for medical advice, please see your health care provider. I'm Dr. Brian Goldman. Until your next dose. For more CBC Podcasts, go to cbc.ca slash podcasts.